Welcome to the New Vision Podcast. New Vision, New Vision, covering the whole world. Hello. Welcome to our New Vision Investigative Podcast, Rwandan Brides for Sale. In this episode, our journalist offers herself as a girl from Rwanda looking to be sold. Her aim was to be taken in by the pastor who was said to be at the center of it all and be sold to a husband. Look out for the first episode if you missed it. I left Pio and headed for the Pentecostal church. It is an unfinished building constructed in a shape like other churches with the sign of a cross. It occupies about one acre with other buildings that look like staff quarters. Opposite the church, across the road, is a primary school which seemed to belong to the worship house. The church was closed and no one was around. But near the staff quarters, a young light-skinned lady was playing with two little ones. I drew closer to her and asked to speak to Pastor Lubega. She gave me a demeaning look from head to toe and directed me to take the road behind the church and walk down the valley. The first beautiful big house with a good compound is the pastor's residence. The house sits on a chunk of land, including maize garden. The maize seemed ready and awaiting harvesting. There was a coffee and banana plantations. It was quiet. I called out but no one responded. I decided to go behind the house where I found a woman washing utensils on the veranda and preparing lunch in an open place. I told her I wanted to speak to the pastor. She spewed a barrage of questions that revealed she was suspicious of me. Who are you? Where are you coming from? How old are you? What do you want the pastor for? I answered all the questions. That is not convincing, she said. Who has sent you? I kept quiet. My father is not around. You have to wait for him. I cannot tell you anything because you're a stranger. A suspicious stranger, she said as she entered the house. She refused to direct me where he was or give me his number. This was about 1.45 p.m. I decided to wait. One hour later, I was still waiting. That is the cost of unearthing a good story. I wonder whether readers realize how tough some stories are to get. I waited for Pastor Lovega for more than an hour. During this time, I observed that other than the main house, there were boys' quarters which looked like rentals. Were these the rooms he could allocate us as he looked for the market? In the meantime, would he use us as sex slaves, domestic workers, or visitors? Was there sexual exploitation? I didn't feel threatened. I knew my movements were being monitored by the New Vision surveillance system and I would quickly be evacuated in case things went off course and my life was in danger. But I was still vexed by the woman's refusal to let me see her father, the pastor. I do not know whether it was anger or frustration. Suddenly, tears began flowing down my cheeks. This softened her. She got out her phone and called her dad. Then she gave me her phone to talk to him. In a few seconds, 
I explained how I was from Mitiana, but Rwanda origin. How I wanted a husband and was told he would help. How I suspected that I had a spell that doesn't allow me to get married. How I needed his prayers. Who sent you? He calmly asked, interrupting my pleas. He insisted that before he does anything for me, I needed to reveal the person who sent me to him. I said I didn't know his name, but he stays in Chibuye at the next trading center and he is a farmer. The guy was light-skinned. After listening to my desperate voice, he asked me the kind of man I wanted and the age. He then asked me to wait for him to return from the farm in the next two hours. However, he insisted that unless I mentioned the person who has sent me as a password, he wouldn't even talk to me. I should return and get the details of the person who sent me. That was final. The phone went dead. I told his daughter I would return after having lunch from the trading center and asked her for the pastor's number, which I wanted to call before setting off on my return. This time... She agreed to share his contact. I decided to withdraw and plan afresh. I left immediately and got a boda boda back to Mitiana. Back in Kampala, I used sources to get me a person who could refer me to Pastor Vega. His name was Mohirwe. Mohirwe is a junior pastor and best friend to Luvega. He stays in Mitiana and was able to confirm that the phone number I had belonged to Pastor Luvega. He's popularly known as Musumba Isaac. I was also told that the pastor had to be cautious because the issue of the Rwandan brides for sale had attracted the notice of the Rwandan government. That, in fact, Rwanda had set tough rules to stop girls crossing the border as evangelists and many who do use panya shortcut routes. But when I called Musumba Isaac, he refused to refer me to the pastor. He insisted he needed to see me first. Again, my hunt was in jeopardy. Three days later, Biekwa called. Bieka was a breakaway agent for people who found the past expensive or cumbersome. He took my details before declaring that he had a man for me and that the man was working in Kampala. He wanted my contact so that he could connect me. I was back to the hunt. Two days later, my husband-to-be was a construction worker. We were to meet in Kampala. On phone, he sounded a big person. We chatted almost the whole night. He started calling me past midnight and said he wanted to confirm that I was not married. You sound sweet on phone. Your voice is magic. I think I have liked you already. Are you sure you're from Rwanda? I need a Rwandan woman, beautiful with a big booty, who will also support me in farming because I am a farmer. Do you know how to dig? He asked. He wanted us to meet at his place in Mutongo. I insisted on a restaurant. He told me the venue and recorder in hand. I went there at the agreed time. 
I was curious to see a man who had paid 80,000 shillings to acquire me. I was at the venue before the agreed 2 p.m. to see him arrive. He came dressed in a tracksuit, black and red in color. I was inside the restaurant scanning the outside. I saw him jump off the boda boda and give his phone to the rider. The rider called me as his passenger walked across the road. He entered and watched me talking to the rider who was pretending to look for me. I admired his brilliance. He wanted to see the girl talking before he could decide whether I was good enough. Then he came over and introduced himself. The boda boda man brought him his phone and sped off. After gesturing to him that I was okay, I knelt down to greet him and he smiled with appreciation. He touched my cheek and said I was beautiful, that he liked me already. I asked for a soda and he too asked for the same. He started telling me how Biekwa had assured him that I was beautiful, but now he was worried if I knew how to cook. He said my skin was so impeccable that there was no way I could dig or cook. You are beautiful, but to be frank with you, I want a woman who can dig and cook. He confessed. I assured him I could cook and dig. He wanted me to accompany him to his home. I told him it was too early. I proposed that I involve my aunt first. We then pay him a visit. He insisted the visit had to be at his ancestral home in Gomba and proposed that when we arrive with my aunt, I stay and left my aunt return alone. He confessed that he had no house of his own but stays in a rented room at his trading center in Gombe. That is where we shall start our marriage and develop slowly into our own home. Anyway, when I was sure I had wasted enough of my time, I proposed that I leave. The bill for the two sodas was 5000 shillings. He confronted the waitress over what he called their exorbitant prices. Soda has to be 2000 shillings each. He insisted. He still paid for the 5000 shillings and gave me 5000 shillings for transport back home. I called Biekwa to explain about the quality of men he was sending me and he promised me a bomb. This one is a capo, he responded. I showed him your picture and he liked it, but this time you have to first come to Mitiana and stay with me for one night. Then I can show you the guy. I asked him, "What about your wife? You want her to burn me with acid?" "No. She is not there. She went back to Rwanda to visit her parents and will not return anytime soon. Staying with me once won't kill you. Even the man I will give you doesn't have to know what we did. It will be our little secret." He said laughing. He promised to send me transport to Mitiana. They had a party in a neighborhood which he wanted us to attend together before he connected me to my dream husband. Imagine he had never seen me but was excited about what he had seen in the pictures I sent him and what Pio his agent told him. I gave it all up and started writing my story. I however felt I hadn't cracked it well. After 2 weeks of ignoring his calls, Biekwa sent me a message that he had the man I wanted. He was rich 
and able to maintain me. I called and told him I was still interested. Two days later, the man himself called me. He was terse, straightforward and outrightly arrogant. No introduction, no courtesy but. Hello? Biekwa gave me your number. I'm the husband you want. He asked me what I did, how old I was and whether I was ready to marry him. He also asked if I was not a Munyarwanda. I should not waste his time. I insist, I am a Rwandese. My late father was buried in Rwanda and my mother shifted to Chisoro, where she resides. I stay in Kampala with my aunt and work in a wholesale shop in Chikubo in Kampala. He disclosed that he had two wives, each one in her own home situated on the shores of Lake Wamala. He said his third home was missing a wife and that would be me. I later learned that his name is Semeo Kamoga. We then planned how I would visit him. He insisted I go alone. I was supposed to meet him in Mitiana and he promised me transport, but he actually did not send the money. My editor wanted us to close the project, but I pleaded that we give it just one more chance. I still wanted to see what happened to the girls once they were handed over. We again planned the rescue plan in case my life was in danger. In addition to my phone to be tracked, it was decided I would have a covert guard. He had to wait in the neighborhood for a distress signal from my ring device. Nevertheless, it was agreed that I do not go alone but with another journalist who would act as my sister. This brings us to the end of our second episode Rwandan Brides for Sale. What will happen in the third episode? You can find out soon. For more podcasts, go to the podcast section in the New Vision Digital Experience app or the website. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the New Vision podcast. The New Vision.